I, it's been here a long time since I've been here, so I want to bring you up to date. On New Year's Eve 2017, 2017, uh, your pastor's birthday is January 1st. It's so wild. Um, um, for the last four straight years, I've been in this stadium. My son actually took that photo. Um, he, 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 uh, we didn't know if he was going to live because you can't imagine what it's like leaving the platform area and just wandering. And he's like, I got it. They sent a bunch of escorts with him. And he was up there taking that photo right around the time I was speaking. And I always think about you right around midnight when the fireworks are going off. I'm like, God bless Pastor Dalton on his birthday. Come on, I'm a good friend, good friend. I can't text him because I don't have service out there, you know. But I am thinking about him. February, on, um, on New Year's Eve, not February, 2017, I spoke in the Nelson Mandela Stadium uh, here on how high up you can go, how high up you can go um, if you have faith in God who can do anything. Do you have faith in God who can do anything here today? And I launched a stuffed dog, and the whole process of how that went down is another sermon. I'm going to be very careful not to go into that sermon. There are great points that I could cover. But I want to be very specific about this illustration today. I launched a dog that I had named Maguja. He was a Toys R Us dog. I paid like $55 on sale for him, and we shipped him all the way to the country. And I had gone to my engineer and said, I want to launch a stuffed animal with helium balloons in a third world country. And this guy's a world-class engineer. He goes, there's about a 41% probability that, that it'll all work out. Do you have a backup plan? I was like, no backup plan. That's the sermon on faith. This is a different sermon. What I want to talk about is I had launched in 2017 the dog in front of 120,000 people. And I'll jump right to the punchline. It worked. The dog went up in front of all these people. And it was an amazing moment. It is a sermon that was heard by 120,000 people inside and surrounding the stadium. And they estimate another, no, not yet on the video, not yet on, go ahead, no. Okay. Another 27 million people watched and listened on live television and radio in five African countries surrounding, and it was, uh, it was just an amazing thing. I know it's hard to believe because I'm just a regular guy, but when I go into Uganda, people stop buses, and they're, like, yelling at me because they recognize me. I'm like, whoa, man, I'm just like, I'm just like this guy, man. You know, I'm just living in a little town, and it's no big deal. But God has given me favor in, in Africa, and, and, and it's... And it's it's what God can do. Uh, but my engineer said, he said, here's what's going to happen. If it works right, there's three clusters of balloons. He gave me a thing so I didn't overfill them because he said if you overfill them, they're going to pop it 100 feet up. I'm like, whoa, we don't want that to happen. The whole thing was covered. He said, in the beginning, the, the dog's head's going to go up if it's working right. And the dog's head went up, you know, and if we put the first cluster on. Corey was over there. If you saw him in the video, he was hooking the balloons on. Second cluster is going to be tension on the, on the ropes. And, uh, and I saw tension on the ropes. Literally, it stood there looking at the crowd like, Godzilla. It was like, like ready to like laser beam people. And he said, when you cut it, it should leave the stadium in about six or seven seconds. Happened exactly the way he said it. And, um, and it was, a, it was an amazing moment. So I, I get back home and for the next couple of months, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to top that? Come on. I'm like, I should have saved that for like 20 years from now, my last time in the stadium. Uh, I went way too big, way too fast. How many of you feel like you're doing that with your life, going way too big, way too fast? Almost like you forget that God is infinite and you want to save something back because you might run out. And we feel finite. 
So many times we feel finite and we forget that God is infinite. And we hold back instead of giving everything we have, knowing that if we give everything and we go to the farthest extent of what we can do, that God can do more. And God can always do more. And just like that flying dog who was then hanging 15 kilometers. He traveled 15 kilometers from the stadium. Isn't that amazing? Traveled 15 kilometers. He could have been hit by a plane. He could have uh, landed in Lake Victoria. Uh, there's so many things that could have happened, but he landed. Rest of the story, end of the sermon, don't leave early. And I felt like the dog hanging in a tree, hanging out, and feeling hopeless. And when I say hopeless, if you're a speaker, you know the struggle is real sometimes. You know that you feel like you have maxed out sometimes. You feel like, I've preached my best sermon. If you're in business, you might feel, I've, it's my best year. Whatever it is in life, we feel so many times like we've hit ceilings. And I had felt like I hit the worst ceiling of my life. And I felt like demons were dancing on my shoulder and, and torturing me for a while and trying to get me to quit on my calling. And I'm not making this up for a sermon. I wanted to retire. I wanted to be done from preaching. I told my wife, I said, I don't feel like I have one more sermon left in me. I'm done. It is a scary thing. This happens to boxers. This happens to world-class athletes where you feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't have anything left. Has anybody ever been there before? I can't imagine that everyone has. But I was struggling so hard. I wanted to cancel every big event in my schedule. I wanted to slam, uh, slam shut big doors that were opening. I never wanted to speak in a stadium again. I told Emily, I said, I should have never been there in the first time. And I was saying these things and thinking these things. I was like, they should have never invited me. I can't believe I did it. Man, I don't know. God gave me my moment, but I'm just going to back out, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to live life where it's comfortable. Come on. I'm going to live life where I'm comfortable, where I feel like I have plenty of skill, where I feel like I have plenty of power. I just don't want to be out on a limb like that. I hate that sometimes, where I'm out on a limb, and if God doesn't show up, come on, guys. Living in that place where God doesn't show up, then it doesn't happen. Have you ever been there? And yet this is the way we should live every day as a believer. But if you're going to live like that, you need to have an understanding of who God is. Because if you try to live like that and you lose your understanding of who God is, it is dangerous and it is fearful. And so I was in this dilemma. And in that struggle, I learned something that is powerful for all people that I want to share with you. I learned that life is full of ups and downs and sometimes bigger ups and even bigger downs. And no one stays up forever. No one stays up forever. I wanted to stay up forever. And I learned that you don't have to stay up forever. I learned that you can have low moments. I learned that you could fail. I learned that you could be fearful. I learned that you could not be the man of faith for, the, for a couple of days. I learned that you could struggle. And I learned that retreat is necessary in war and life, even for the winners. And you need to learn how to do it well. Retreating. So I, I'm not going to retreat. I'm never going to retreat. Oh, man, I tell you, foxes retreat into holes for safety and rest. Cute little fox. Birds retreat into nests to recover, to feed, and to fly again. Even superheroes retreat 
Batman retreats into the Batcave to recover. I mean, I don't want to make all the nerds mad in here, but Batman always seems like a little crybaby. He's always getting hurt. I mean, I understand that he's the only superhero that doesn't really have superpowers, that it's all about, you know, the, the Batcave and what he, come on. Yeah, that's right. Man, I'll tell you what, this sermon just came alive. It just got real in here right now. I saw people like that. Batman. It's like when he said Batman, I had chills come all over my body. It's like, best sermon I ever heard in my life. But he goes down in the back cave, right? And what's in the back cave? More tools. More power. You know, and, and, and he goes, he retreats into the cave to get something that he can bring back out of the cave to the people who need to be saved. And, and even Superman retreats into what's called the fortress of solitude. Remember this. Solitude. That he retreats away to this, you always look at the Fortress of Solitude, it's like, wow, what a depressing superhero. Like, he retreats back to listen to watch videos of his dad. <laughs> you know, hologram videos of his dad, which Google is actually creating this technology that was there where you could actually talk to the brain. It's, did you know that? Did you hear this? Real cool, just quick side note here. Google's creating this thing right now where basically it'll take everything that you have online, all of your videos, especially for people who are authors and content creators, it'll take the vastness of everything you've ever said, and then people can actually ask it questions, and it will speak from you and probably start to get it close. That's some scary stuff. So one day when you die, somebody can have that version of you to talk to it all the time. Some crazy stuff, right? Um, but Superman will retreat to the Fortress of Solitude, and even villains retreat. For instance, the Grinch had a place in the mountain where he would eat light bulbs and talk to himself and, and play with his scrawny but cute sled dog, Max. Um, retreat in my struggle. I, my life was paralleling with Maguja. He fell from the sky, he was hanging in a tree, and not knowing if God had any more plans to make him extraordinary again, to use him again, to give him another victory. And Maguja must have thought to himself, that was the greatest moment of my life when I was going out of the stadium and the people were yelling, I apologize for the terrible videos, they, they still don't have very good, uh, it was recorded off of cell phones, I think Corey recorded and a couple other people and sent them to me, and I pieced it together, but man, if you could have heard, the crowd was yelling so loud, I don't know how they even heard me preaching, only way I could tell they heard me preaching is that they shouted at all the right times, I was like, okay, I think they're getting it, they're not just shouting, because they didn't shout at that, but they definitely shouted this, and they should have shouted that, because that was shoutable, come on, right, I'm like, uh, they're with me, they're understanding this, this is really cool. Um, and we, and I, and I started to feel like, like Maguja, this was the best night of my life. It was over for me. And we only feel this way, and if you're going to write anything down so far in this sermon, you should write this down. We only feel limited. We only feel this way when we forget that God is infinite. We only feel finite when we forget that the infinite one is living inside of us. And it's a scary place. It's a scary place to be. And when the enemy says, you'll never rise again, you must find a secret place to recover your strength. A secret place to recover your strength. And I needed a secret place. And you guys know me. I have a walk with God. I think it's my greatest, my greatest secret weapon is my secret place. 
But I grew and became strong and I developed skills and I relied on the fact that I'm a good script writer and I relied on the fact that I developed my artistic side of speaking and, and I had my personality and I had all these things and I had figured it out and I felt like I didn't need to rely on God and I forgot about the secret place. I was still praying, but I wasn't praying intentionally. I was praying, but I wasn't connecting like like electricity connecting with God. Does anybody know what it's like to go through the motions for a week or two or a month or even six months? And maybe some of you, for a couple of years, you're like, I was doing it all right, but my God, I just wasn't connecting. I was praying, but I, I wasn't in the prayer closet. I was, I was singing, but I wasn't worshiping. I was, a, I was in the auditorium, but I wasn't in the sanctuary of the Lord. There are dimensions, my friend. And I uh, remembered the story about Elijah and when he felt like he had reached his limits and, and, he was, and, and it was over for him in, in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. I just want to read you this real quick. 1 Kings 19, a couple of verses. I'm reading from the paper Bible. I feel like this is a book of Eli here, reading from a paper Bible. When, uh, when Ahab got home, you know, Jezebel had just called down fire from heaven, did the greatest miracle of his life for sure. You guys know the story. I just want to read it. It says, uh, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel what Elijah had done and, and how he had slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods also kill me if by this time tomorrow I have failed to take your life like those you killed. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. The prophet of God was afraid. And he fled for his life. He afraid. He was running afraid. He was fleeing for his life. He was running. Like sometimes when Emily travels out of town, I'm home by myself, and I go to get in bed, I flip the light off, and I run and jump five feet from the bed, land, put my feet under the covers. Come on. Right? I don't do that so much anymore because I face that fear. I was like, darkness is not a... <laughs> Come on, guys, right? But anyway, look. Um, but it says, Elijah was afraid for his life. He also went to Beersheba, the town in Judah, and he left his servant there, and he went alone into the desert traveling all day, and he sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed all night that he might die. God, just kill me. I don't want to kill myself and leave that legacy to my family, but just end my life. Natural causes, just let me die. I just don't want the pressure of having to reinvent myself. I've, I have maxed out. I don't see any hope beyond now. I've had my finest moment. This is it. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to fade away, and God is never finished with you. If there is breath in your lungs, he's got a miracle left for you to do. Come on, guys. Amen. I had a retired guy come up to me after my sermon a couple weeks ago. He said, man, I was so inspired by that sermon. I realized, because I, you know, I always tell retired people, you know, if, if you've reached this level where you've got an inheritance for your kids, now build the inheritance for your kids' kids too. Amen? It's amazing what you could do with all the wisdom that you've accumulated over the years, and there's, God still has a dream for you. He still has a vision for you. Come on, right? Amen. All the retired people said, leave me alone. I'm tired. I got you. I got you. Leave me alone, I've earned it. I got you, I got you. I'm just saying, if you're still alive, then God still has a plan for you. Be intentional grandparents. Be intentional parents. Understand that God has not put you out in the field to graze, that there's an anointing on your life. We've got so many Yodas walking around in this world. Man, don't live on another planet somewhere where people can't reach you. Come on. Don't make Luke Skywalker travel across universes to get to you. Man, make sure that you make yourself available for God to use you again and again and again and again. Everybody lift your hands in the air and say, God, use me again. Come on, right? Say it louder. God, use me again. And again. 
and again and again. See, that's what God's plan is for you. He's not done. There are people here, I prayed all night. When I got up this morning, I was like, God, today I have one mission. I want people to feel like they've limited out. People feel like they're done. I want them to know that they can get up, that their finest moments are still ahead, and that they can double, triple, quadruple, ten times, hundred times what God has done in their lives up to this point. The rest of the story goes on, that, he, that the angel tells him to get up and eat a meal, and he says, you're going to need this. He eats a meal, and he goes for 40 days and 40 nights, and he travels 90 kilometers uh, from that spot on one meal, he's fasting, and he reaches this place, and, uh, you know, it says that he gets to this mountain, and, uh, and that um, he goes into this cave, and he hears, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's fire, there's an earthquake, there's wind, and in all of that, he's looking for God. He's going, is this you, God? Is, is this you, God? Is this you, God? And then a whisper. You know the story, right? And in the whisper, it says that he goes to the edge of the cave, and there God speaks to him. I'm talking about the secret place. Now that I've told you the story, I want to go back just to preaching. Remember, Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to end your life. The enemy will threaten you. One of the greatest weapons the enemy can bring against your life is a threat. No circumstance, nothing real is happening, a threat. Joyce Meyer says the biggest battle is a battlefield of the mind. The enemy, if he can get you to believe he has an upper hand on your life, that's when he has an upper hand on his life. As long as you keep saying, no, you don't have an upper hand on my life, you are in a position of faith and victory. So the enemy, he threatens all day long. I'm going to make you sick. You're going to die young. I'm going to take your kids away from God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take you under financially. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. This is, you're, you're going to die in debt. You're going to, and all these different things. You're, 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 and what is he doing? He's threatening, waiting perhaps that you would agree to that. So far, he's winning against Elijah because Elijah has stopped his ministry and he's running away from the place where God had posted him. He's running away. And I love the way God is because he's allowed me to run away at times. It's not that he ran away. It's where he went that holds the key to his future success. And, and he wanted to die because he felt hopeless. And hopelessness is a dangerous thing that will come over you. You feel like your marriage is the best it's ever going to be. You feel like your kids are never going to serve God. There's so many things that will make you feel hopeless. And you feel like, man, it would take a miracle. When you say things like that, it would take a miracle as if you're going, it would take the impossible. The impossible is what God specializes in. When you say it would take a miracle, you're just simply saying, I need to find God right now. Come on, guys, right? The enemy goes, I'm threatening you, and you got to know where to go, and you want to give up. People fear, here today feel the same. You, the enemy has scared you with threats. Am I telling the truth? How many of you have been threatened by the enemy over the last couple of months? Threatening you. Well, you know what? He is a liar. He is a liar. Shut up. Close your mouth. 
you're a liar. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to hide behind this. I might run for a few days, but I'm not running scared to jump in the bed and put my feet under the covers. I'm running into the secret place of the Most High. What I love about this is that the devil thought that he had victory over Elijah in this moment. He says, I got him now. He's running scared. He wasn't running scared. He was running to God. Come on. The enemy thinks he has you. I remember one time I was crying. I was like, God, what is going on? Where are you? And I literally saw a vision of myself crying. The Lord was looking, and I literally saw myself crying, and I saw the Lord full of wrath. There's a scripture in Psalms that talks about the Lord just um, and it, like he has a war cry that he brings against the enemy. And I saw the Lord just re like rip God Almighty, rip his shirt off and be like, come on, like it was a wrestling thing at the devil because the devil had made me cry. Don't you dare make God's son or daughter cry. And man, when the enemy thinks he's got you crying, the only way he wins is if you just cry into nothingness and you cry to all your friends. But if you cry to God, the enemy begins to lose. And isn't it amazing? One day you can feel like you're on top of the world. One day you can be like, I know, you can call me weird if you want, but when I'm feeling good about life, feeling good about myself, I tell my wife, I'm like, man, this outfit, my God. She said, I love when you talk confident, because I don't always talk confident. I'm like, Em, I look good today. She's like, you look good. I was like, you look good, girl. She's like, you look good. She said, come here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, come on, right? Come on, right? <laughs> We're going down the road like, you look, no, you look good, <laughs> right? Um, it's, uh, it's an awesome feeling when you... Uh, when you feel like you're on top of it. There are times, Pastor, right? Pastors, anybody else, you guys got so many great speakers in this church, but there are times we go home, we're like, whoa, did I just preach that? And then there's other times you go home, you're like, I quit. I quit. Like, I just wanted it to end five minutes in. I, I knew it was going to be bad. I just looked at the crowd, and they're all looking at me like, go home. And I, I couldn't recover. I tried told jokes. They didn't laugh. I tried everything. And then I couldn't just at least land the plane. I couldn't at least give them, get them out early, and then they'd still be happy. I preached overtime trying to get the victory. This is the worst day of my life. Nobody's even coming back next week. Come on, right? And then one day later, you feel like a stupid loser. You feel it's amazing how that can happen, but you are God's people. Why then would you believe that you are weak? and limited, and like you have no future. You are a child of God. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are God's child. Look at somebody and say, you have a hope, a future, and an expected end. And isn't this the way life is sometimes? And why would you rely on your power and your wisdom when Psalms 91 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and Him will I trust. Come on, guys, right? You feeling that today? We are the people of God. We don't fight wars like secular people do. We go to God when we run into trouble. 
We go to God, and I tell you, there is a weapon I can give you today. There is a place I can give you to go today. I'm not talking about throwing up little weak prayers. But when you learn to pray, when you learn to connect with God, somebody goes, I wish God would do this, and I wish God would do that. No, 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 no. you got to go to God today. you got to get into the secret place. And that's when the enemy goes, uh-oh, I made her cry. Uh-oh, there they are again. Connecting with God. See, I think the devil, here's what I think he likes to do. Push you just far enough to keep you in your own strength, thinking that maybe you can work this out. When you've reached the end of the rope, you have a chance to either die young or find God. The devil wants to keep you in the power of you, so he lets you have enough success. But, but the devil, you know what his job description is? Steal, kill, and destroy. It's the only thing he knows how to do. He's real dumb. He's like, hey, don't push them too far. Push them too far, they go to God. Then you get your butt kicked. And he goes, oh. And then he pushes you too far. And he goes, whoops. It's all I know how to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. And he just keeps hitting you. Steal, kill, and destroy. And then you hit rock bottom. And you come back. And, and the Bible says, you'll not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Do you know about the secret place? Are you good at finding the secret place? Can you imagine Batman riding around with all four tires popped out and, you know, scrapes all over the place and he never goes back to the back cave? Superheroes know they must retreat. Can you imagine a bird flying around all the time and never going back to the nest? Can you imagine a fox being hunted by his predator and never going into this hole in the ground, his den? It is okay to say to God, I'm at the end of myself. I'm sorry, God. I thought I was strong, but I feel like I'm weak. And when I am weak, then I am strong again. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? And... When the terrors come at night and the arrows fly by day and pestilence walks in darkness and destruction wastes at noonday, can you find the secret place? If you figure this out, you'll be indestructible. If there's any inheritance I want to give to my kids, I have sentimental moments now that I'm getting older. You know, I'm 47. Some people go, my God, you're just a young spring chicken. I understand. But for me, you know, I, I'm, my energy dropped last year, 46 to 47. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I don't have natural energy like I did. Whoa, now I'm going to have to work out, not because I want to look good, but because I want to live. <laughs> it's like everything's starting to change. I'm like, this is terrible. I want to look young. That's why I grew the beard. I was like, well, I'm old. Come on, guys. I might just accepted it. I'm just old. I still have a young heart. Elijah fasted 40 days and walked 90 kilometers searching for a secret place. Now, Pay attention here because I'm going to give you something. I know you've read this story over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm going to give you stuff maybe you've never seen before. You ready for this? Say yes. He was completely at the end of his self, entirely depleted. How do I know this? Because he went 40 days on one meal, 90 kilometers. This shows that he had run out of human strength. He was completely at the end of himself. He was barely alive. It's so funny. I, uh, Emily, Emily fasts three times a day in between breakfast and lunch, lunch and dinner, and dinner and breakfast. So uh, anytime I tell her to go on a fast, she's like, you trying to kill me? She fasts one day 
and it is literally the most attractive she is in life because she's a really powerful girl. I love when she gets vulnerable. It's a cute side I never get to see. And when she's starving to death, she's desperate for food, and she's looking at me. She goes, Charlie, do I have a fever? She is the best person to fast with. Anybody want a fasting partner, fast with Emily, and it's like fasting with a comedian. It's amazing. She's like, what is that I smell? I'm like, the dog just had gas. It's delicious. It smells like pizza. No. Come on, guys. Those kind of jokes get me thrown out of the church, you know. Um, but look, so, so the story tells us that the most powerful work of God happens when you reach the end of yourself. Not one time, but this happens over and over and over and over. Every time you add a new skill, you hit another layer of success, and you start saying, I look good, I look good, I look good. Then all of a sudden, you don't look good anymore. It doesn't work anymore. And you go, oh, God, where are you? And it's this, God, this, this continual struggle to keep our strength in God. We are the people of God. He is our strength. He is our fortress. When the enemy pursued Elijah, Elijah pursued God. And you need to know how to pursue God when the enemy is pursuing you. It's clear that Elijah pursued God and not just solitude. Because if he only pursued solitude, he would have probably stopped right there under the broom tree. And, you know, he probably would have eaten that meal and then maybe went back to what he was doing. But he kept going. And he kept searching. And here's the thing I saw in the story that I never saw before. I'm sure your pastor's already seen it. But I was reading, and I go, whoa, hold on a minute. It doesn't just say he went to a mountain. He went to Mount Horeb. I said, no way. Mount Horeb? Mount Horeb would have been famous in Elijah's day for one event that took place there. The receiving of the Ten Commandments by Moses. And if you were searching for God and you wanted to go where you knew God had stood on the earth at one time, you would go to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He didn't just go to any mountain. He didn't go to nature. He didn't go to books and tranquility and gratitude, but he went to gratitude in God, and not just faith, but faith in God. And he went not just to a mountain to rest or solitude. He sought the secret place. And this, and this, isn't it ironic also that Moses is the author of Psalms 91? I read that. I thought, whoa, dude, this is like preacher revelation here. That Moses talked about dwelling in the secret place, and he's a man who dwelt on Mount Horeb when the rest of the people stayed at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses says, come on up. And they said, no, we're content with you going on up. Just tell us what God said. And man, people who live like that live in danger. You don't want to be content with your church leadership going up the mountain and coming down every, come on, man, every Sunday, but you want to find God on Monday all by yourself. And text a friend and say, church was good yesterday, but I found the Lord this morning in the secret place at 6 a.m. on my couch, on the yellow couch, 
come over today, I'll show you the exact spot. And I was sitting in the yellow couch, and nothing's ever happened on the yellow couch before, but something happened, and the atmosphere was transformed, and I felt like I wasn't even in my living room anymore. I was in another dimension, and I was there with God. And it was like the Mount of Transfiguration where the disciples go up with Jesus and they see Jesus in his glory and they're standing there on earth, but they're also in heaven. That's what your prayer closet is. That's what worship felt like this morning. Am I telling the truth? That's why I tell, that's why I tell people, all, you know, we, we, we've talked so many times over the years. Man, tell me if I'm telling the truth. Talent matters much less in worship than anointing. Am I telling the truth? I have been around the most talented musicians and singers on earth and felt nothing. I, there was a time I was in a revival, the worst singers you ever heard in your life. But you felt God in there. I was like, I can't believe I'm liking this. Everything inside of me was like, hate it. I was like, no, I can't. you're horrible. You are horrible, girl, but you are anointed. <laughs> I gotta hurry up. I gotta hurry up. So, somebody said, I knew I was called. <laughs> I knew I was called. That's the one thing you're taking away here. Elijah wanted God to show up in spectacular demonstration because he anticipated God in the fire, in the earthquake, in the wind. He says, I looked. God wasn't there. I looked. God wasn't there. What did he want? He wanted God. Fire? Oh, you're going to send fire again, God? Oh, wind? Like, like when I prayed for it to rain and it was a cloud the size of a hand coming in my direction. God, are you going to show up? Are you going to show I want God to show up. But God was there to do something bigger, something inside of Elijah. Because a lot of times we want God to show up and do something situational. But God wants to do something spiritual and emotional inside of you. And the victory you need is not for God to answer any of the prayers you have on the table. The victory you need is for God to give you an adjustment. You feeling this? I know you guys have preached some of this before. I know these are themes that are not unfamiliar with this church. But I'm reminding you to stir up the fire that was given to you by the laying on of hands. There is a fire on this church. And there is a secret power that this church possesses that not a lot of churches possess. This is a praying church. This is a worshiping church. This is a church that is smeared with the oil from heaven. And it's poured over this church. This is a church that knows how to find God. This is a church where not just the leadership knows how to find God, but there is a legacy of generations of families in this church that know how to see God. You should thank God you are able to go to a church like this. So because it doesn't matter where I go to church, I kind of like it over here or there. Man, you could go to a church that sounds good, is nice and relevant, everything, you know, and literally your faith will dry up and you won't even know it's happening. You're in a church that's on fire. Come on, man, right? Don't take it for granted. Lift your hands to heaven and shout and thank the Lord for that often. And after the fire came silence and then a gentle whisper of God Almighty's voice. And God whispered to bring Elijah closer. Well, that's a stretch. No, what does the Bible say? He was in the cave, earthquake, fire, wind. Gentle whisper, says Elijah, put his cloak over his head. 
and he went to the entrance. Oh, it gives me chills when I think about it. God could have yelled, but he, he whispered. Why? Because whisper, people whisper when they want you to come closer. And people whisper when they tell secrets. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. You probably just heard his name. Elijah. Maybe it echoed because he's God. He's got this cool soundboard of angels, you know, just like making it sound awesome. Elijah. Elijah. What? Talk up. No, no. He's calling you in. Do you ever feel God whispering to you? Because God's saying what you need is to get up from there and take 10 steps in. Come in to the presence of God on the mountain of God. Isn't it enough I just came to church, you know, the mountain of God? No, no, not just the mountain of God, but you're stepping in on the mountain of God. You're stepping into the whisper. You're stepping in. You're going deeper into proximity. Like going from the holy place to the holy of holies. You're not content to be on the outside with the common people, but you want to be in there where God is talking, where the fire is burning. Come on, man. I can't believe it, man. I'm preaching like fire today. It's because of Parker. I was trying to be cool, but Parker got up here and just got all anointed, messed it all up. <laughs> Parker, this could kill an old guy like me just preaching like this. And, uh, and God says today, I have secrets to tell you in the secret place. And I see your fears, but I'm about to change your mind. I'm about to lift you up again. And you're going to go out of here and feel like you can pick up the front of your car with just your own two hands because I'm going to empower you again. What do you get in the secret place? Well, I believe there are three secrets that God gave Elijah in the secret place. Don't be scared. I'm only getting to my points now. That wasn't an introduction part of the sermon. It's a different way of preaching. The three points are going to be very fast, so write these down. First secret is this. Elijah. I am here. I am here? Did God say that? No, he didn't say it with his words, but he said it with his actions. God whispered to draw Elijah closer to his presence. If I whisper, he'll come closer, like God did with Moses in the burning bush, waiting for Moses to turn aside. He had something to give Moses, something to say to Moses, but he was waiting for Moses to step in. And it is not the prophet's responsibility to get a word to you like you're the running back that he's got to stick it in the pocket. It is your responsibility to seek the Lord. I hope I'm not ruining this video. I just want to come down here because you guys are so nice today. But he says, seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. We can't live life in this 21st century hoping that someone's going to get us victory. Someone's going to get us a word. Someone's going to lift us up. We have to know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to know how to find the Lord. You know, my wife is such an encourager. Over the years, I'm like, oh, Emma, I'm feeling so down right now. Oh, you're the best. You look so good. <laughs> and one time about three years ago, I felt like the Lord said to me, don't just keep depending on your wife because she's going to pick you up all the time and make you feel good about yourself and help you overcome your depression and help you overcome your poor self-image and all these different things. He says, I want to do that victory. I want to give you that victory so that your wife can finally rest from carrying you. 
And Emily said, amen. She's like, I didn't even know he had that word. I didn't know he was working on it. <laughs> no, we've talked about it. I literally looked at her. I said, thank you. You've been there for me for 28 years. But I'm so sorry that I have relied. You've done it so good. I've relied on you. And I've, honestly, I thank God. I'm like, God, if it wasn't for Emily, I wouldn't be alive right now. That's awesome. Thank God for the people who have been there. But God wants to be the one. God wants you to come to him. And he whispers, I am here. Elijah, I hear what's going on, but come here. Come here. Come close. Why did you hear that? Whisper. You can hear God shout from across the universe. But you can only hear God whisper if you're close. And he was close. He said, you hear that? You feel that? We're close. We're here. Am I telling the truth? But is it hard to find the whisper of God sometimes? Don't you feel like, like you just you fall into the rut, even those of you who are so radical, of just praying, 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 and, and never really connecting? Like shooting at a target with our eyes closed? I don't need to shoot a hundred times. I just want a bullseye once. I want to connect with him. Come on. Hannah prayed all those years, but there was one year that she connected. Oh, no, my Lord. You don't understand. My soul is being poured out to God. And he says, God has heard you have connected with him, and your prayer will be answered. When are you going to move, God? God says, when are you going to hit the bullseye? When are you going to draw in? How much longer are you going to allow your life to suffer? Are you going to allow your life to suffer when you can come to me? And so I am here moving closer. Stop dwelling on how rejected and alone you feel and realize that I am so close you can hear my whisper. If you haven't tried this in a while, retreat daily, sometimes hourly, depending on battle, uh, depending on the battle intensity, dwell in the secret place. The second secret, I approve you. He approved Elijah when he said there are 7,000 people who have not, not bowed to the false gods. Hey, there's nothing you can say to a prophet that approves him more than saying there is righteousness in the land because of your ministry. When Elijah said, when God said to Elijah, there are 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee to Baal, he was saying, I approve you, you're doing a good job. Isn't it true that one of the biggest weapons the enemy gives is that everything you're doing is worthless, you don't matter anymore, and when the, in the whisper, God says, I'm here, and God says, I approve you. Amen? Look at somebody and say, God approves you. And then, and then the final secret that God gives Elijah is, Elijah, I have a plan. You know what Elijah actually, you know what God said to him? It's just a little bit of scripture. He says, Elijah, he doesn't even really answer his questions. He says, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go anoint two kings and a prophet. Prophet in your place. And by the way, King Jehu is going to take care of Jezebel. So in other words, the problem you came to me about is not even a problem I have to take care of for you. Because your legacy is going to rise up and deal with that. All you need today is to know that I am here. I, have a, I approve you, and I still have a plan for your life. And there is nothing more affirming to a prophet than to, than to anoint two kings and to anoint, to anoint stuff. That's what prophets do. And, man, he hadn't done any of that up to this point. God says the best is still to come for you. You think it's over, but you're going to go anoint two kings and a prophet. And all the problems you're having today are going to be taken care of. You guys with me right now? Okay, let me close this down. Here's the rest of the story real quick. Can I have like four more minutes? Are you sure? 
Okay, four more minutes. I'm doing my best here. I'm even going to skip a video because i got to tell you this. You guys, there's always those people in the church who goes, Pastor, you go all day. I said, I could do that for three of you. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> it's like, well, let us have church again. No, I want to eat lunch. Come on. Just kidding, guys. Come on. Listen, remember, remember Magoo just hanging in the tree? The illustration of this is so backed up. Here's the rest of the story. Here's what happened. So this guy named Andrew was riding boda boda, boda boda's border to border. They're riding motorcycles. That's their taxi. He's riding boda boda one day. He looks over. He sees Maguja hanging in the tree. So most of the balloons were popped, and he saw him hanging in the tree. Yeah, we're not going to be able to show that video. Maybe we could just show it afterwards. People can sit around and watch. Actually, honestly, we can. When the sanctuary's all shut down, if you guys want to see it, we'll show you the video. It's like four minutes long. And then I would be like never invited back because that's like way triple overtime, okay? So be nice. The video actually shows the guy. We interviewed him. He'll go right into his house. I'll show you that he's got Maguja sitting right in his house, and it interviews him about how the whole thing went down. But in short, he sees it. He gets off the thing. He goes and gets it. He brings it back to his house. I had put a zipper in it, and I stuck a letter in there on hotel, uh, you know, what's it called? Good job. And I wrote down, if you find this, email me. He emailed me. I left $250 with a pastor out there. I said, the guy finds it, going to email send him to you, get $250. $250 is like a lot of money in, 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 uh, in Africa, in some of the countries in Africa. So he gets to $250. I don't hear from him in a while. The end of the year, right before the stadium, I, I say, we need to follow up with Andrew, find out what happened. You guys ready for this? Do you think I'm about to tell you a lie or the truth? Truth. You think I tell the truth? I'm like Superman. I cannot lie. The truth. Okay? Here's what happened. He took the $250, though he could have wasted it just that quick and lived real good for a couple of months. He took the $250 and he purchased a few pigs. He took the pigs and took them into the city, sold the pigs, purchased a cow, farmed the cow, brought a few other calves, farmed those calves, turned those calves into 12 calves. 12 calves in 12 months. You know how much a cow is worth in Uganda? About 1,400 bucks a cow. Work the numbers on 12 cows. Do you know how much they earn a year? About less than $1,000 a year. This guy went from nothing. Show the photo of the before and after. It's right after the video. Look, there's him when he found him in his working at the gas station. There he is. I brought him back up on the stage last year, and Maguja was there. Go to the next slide, and you'll actually see um, I was, Maguja's in that little bag right there. Long story, cool story. Um, he's got a nice belt. He's got nice shoes. He's decked out in nice, expensive clothing. And you know what else? He's enrolled in college now because he's learning how to farm, run a farm business. And you know, I know, you think I have to be lying. A story like that could never be true. You know what's amazing about it? You know what's amazing about it is that, is that he's going to go around the country and teach other people to do what he did. When Maguja thought God was finished with him, God, not me, God had placed a note in his belly. God had placed something in his belly that was even greater value than impressing a crowd from the stadium. 
And God was spectacular in multiple ways. And God was not finished from, with Maguja. And God is not finished with you. And I tell you, I, I believe in my story that as he hung there in the tree, God got to him. As God got to me. And I was able to come back and preach again. And go back and preach again. And I'm here today. And I'm still in the race. Jesus understood the secret place. I just got to give that to you. You know the theologians will agree that the cross, the victory of the cross was secured in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he went, it was done. And you know what's neat is he brought Peter in there. He said, Peter, pray with me. Peter didn't pray. It was like Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, watch me. Because in the garden, I'm in the secret place. And in the secret place is how I fight my battles. Amen? I want everybody to sing this with me. Have you ever heard it before? Jesus starts singing to Peter. Hey, Peter. This is how I fight my battles. Are you feeling this? Peter! Peter, this is how I fight my battles. Peter, look around. Look around, Peter. The enemy is all out there. It looks like it's over. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Peter! This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. If you know it, sing it with me. This is how I fight my battles. I think you can sing it better than me. This is how I fight my battles. It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Sing it louder. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Is that the way you fight? Bet the harvest, do you know how to fight? I know you do. And God is calling you into the secret place for the next season because he's not finished with you. And your greatest days are still to come. On a personal level, the Lord is speaking today. On a corporate level, the Lord is speaking today. This is one of the greatest churches in America. And God wants to fill it to capacity many times over. And you go, but man, we've tried so hard. We've been met with so many challenges over the years. The Lord says, do not despise that. Do not despise what you've done and all the battles you've been through and where you've come from and what you've done so far. Your best is still to come. 